Welcome to Stutzcast. It is Tuesday, the 2nd of February. Tuesday, the 2nd of February. I emphasise that because yesterday I said it's Tuesday, 1st of February. <laughs> like an idiot. So anyway, let's get the date right. Let's start, let's start with that. Today is Tuesday. And uh, Rooney and I have just stepped outside... really the first tentative steps after the big blizzard to assess the damage and uh, to see if I can dig the car out in time for Christina to get to her first fitness class which is at uh, she's got to leave here at 7.30 and it's about uh, 10 minutes to 7 now oh okay well, we have a shoveling task ahead of us. Rose. But, uh, ooh, I don't know if that can be done. <laughs> God. I, I mean, I'm standing next to the drift behind Christina's car of snow, and it's coming way above my knee. So that's got to be two, over two feet. <laughs> you know... I, I do love this area, but I have got to tell you, I'm not going to miss shoveling, shoveling the snow out of my driveway. Oh my God. And I, and I thought, when we moved to this house, I thought, ah, it's a new piffling little short driveway. Well, it doesn't look piffling short now. It looks, it looks like a marathon. Anyway, get on with it, John. Stop moaning. Rooney, what are we going to do? He's going to watch and supervise. I'll get the shovel. So, and, and I've got to tell you, I'm, I'm doing this podcast on my new fancy schmancy uh, microphone. So, I hope this works out okay. Find out. Anyway, thank you for tuning in to Stutzcast. And uh, let's, let's make it another fun and momentous day. Okay, well, it's pretty cold, as usual. Nothing new there. <clears throat> what I can report already is the, uh, the white fence that surrounds our, our back garden, backyard. One section has completely been obliterated. Doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> All the pieces are in the neighbour's backyard. And... Uh, the bin lid uh, has has disappeared, uh, and I'm not talking about one of the children. I'm talking about the recycling bin lid. Uh, it's not on the bin anymore. It's the one that we have right behind the kitchen door, so we can easily put our recycling. So instead, we have a, uh, a recycling bin full of snow, and to get to the shovel, which was in the garage. <laughs> to climb through, um, really beyond my knees, I had to climb through the snowdrift just to get the shovel out. I'm going to close the garage door now because the cars, are gonna, the cars that are in the garage 
Gonna freeze up. How do I do that? Oh. Okay, that seems to work. I'm not gonna record every every action of the shovel. <laughs> That's gonna get somewhat repetitive. But I will just give you a flavour. Oh, okay. Right, I'm behind Christina's black Jeep. I am shoveling. One, two, three. Oh, we're going through this like a knife through butter. Oh, yeah, she's going to make it out. Okay, I better tell her. She's already opened the door and said, am I going to be able to make it? I tell you, whichever gym she's working for this morning, I think it's Equinox. You really should give this girl a medal. She is dedicated to getting to work. Most people would just call in and say, can't make it. Not Christina. No, no. She wants to make it there. We'll get her there, Runes. We'll get her. He's, he's sitting dutifully beside me, like, like, you know, the dog in his master's voice. He's looking at me with management today. Supervision, just checking I do a good job. Aren't <laughs> you, Runes? Yeah, he's just looking at me. Oh, he's just got up to sniff around a bit. Right, I'm going to take a pause now, just to tell Christine that she can relax and we'll get her to work. And I will rejoin you in a moment. It is now 7.54 and I am happy to report that we made it. It was a close run thing. As the Duke of Wellington said after the Battle of Waterloo, Christina's literally, she came out to leave just as I was getting the last shovel of snow off the uh, driveway and uh, it was just in time. I'm afraid I didn't clear the whole driveway. There wasn't time. But what I did do was just clear two tracks so that the tyres could follow the tracks and get out. And uh, I tell you, that was enough. A little out of puff. Now, I realised as I was uh, shoveling, I was thinking about uh, how unwise I was to use my, my own... Uh, you know areas of my body as units of height for the snow because I can already hear all you wise crackers <laughs> saying oh well, you only had what a couple of inches then when I said the snow was up to my knees yeah I can hear you Alex Gooch Mark Vaderi <laughs> Phil Byrne I can hear you wise crackers but no I reckon it was um, well, it, it was well over two feet in parts, probably two and a half feet it was drifted. So, uh, quite a challenge. So, rules of digging yourself out in the snow. Rule number one, if you own a snowblower, don't give it away to your next door neighbour. In the belief, in the 
mistaken belief that you're not going to need it anymore because the house you're moving to has only got a short driveway. <laughs> that was my first foolish move. <coughs> oh, God. Rule number two, if you have to use a shovel, get one with a wide, as wide as possible, a width. Mine's actually quite good. It's called Gator. It's a Canadian shovel. I think Americans will defer to Canadians when it comes to all things to do with snow. Oh. Number three, rule number three, don't try and lift a mountain every time of snow every time you, you, know, you take a shovel full because you're just going to wear yourself out. Can you hear that? Can you hear that? That's right next to our house. It's a, it's a marsh duck. Oh, there's two of them talking to each other. They're just taking off. You see, even right next to the house, we're, you know, we're able to continue our wildlife theme. Whilst I was digging, believe it or not, a, uh, one of those hawks swooped down and you know, had a look at what I was doing. Curious. I think it was a marsh hawk. Yeah, I got a good look at him. And uh, he didn't um, fly away. He just flew up to one of the trees perched there and just kept an eye on me whilst I was, I was shoveling. Okay, so rule number three is if you know that uh, there's rain on the way, clear the snow fast. If it rains on the snow, that doubles the weight and it makes it twice as difficult. Actually, ha having said I gave my snowblower away to my neighbour, I did. John Chacho, down in Westport. Uh, he's a tremendous guy, John. He used to teach wrestling at the high school. <laughs> I don't know if he can do that anymore, but in his day, that was a big thing. And he's a Westporter you know, through and through. And he's got, had two children. He, uh, and uh, one of his children, this is rather tragic, but uh, one of his children, his son, uh, this is probably going back about, uh, ooh, I don't know, 15 years now. And his son was only in his early 40s. Um, after a heavy snowstorm like this, he had been shoveling snow. And... Uh, he um, went up to, to sort of clean up after us to have a shower and uh, he had a heart attack in the shower and uh, passed away. It was absolutely tragic. Poor old John. And uh, actually, you know, I went to the, uh, to, the, to the wake. I don't usually like to go to things like that. And uh, John and his wife Lucille were there. I really just went to show solidarity with them. I, I didn't know the son, but he, he asked me to come. And uh, they'd laid out, you know, the sh for the showing, they, they'd laid his son out, which I'd never seen before. You know, what you do is you kind of line up and you, you then kneel beside the coffin and say a little prayer and uh, say your goodbyes. And yeah, it was tragic. So in a way, I, I don't, regret at all giving John my snowblower because I certainly wouldn't want that to happen to him 
He's a tough old boy, but uh, he's probably in his 80s now. And he, he's one of these people that won't give up. So, you know, when it snows, he's out there with his shuffle. Which is, I used to go down with my snowblower and, and blow his driveway up before he gave himself a heart attack. Because uh, he's tough. Tough old so-and-so. And Lucille, his wife, and nobody's called Lucille these days, are they? I, I reckon it must have been after Lucille Ball. She must have been popular when she was born. Anyway, Lucille kept saying to me, help, please tell him to go inside. <laughs> I knew I had no chance, he wouldn't listen. Anyway, uh, oh, here comes another duck. Or is it the same one back? Hello again. Whack, whack. Be back. So I'm curious to know how long this driveway is. I'm going I'm to march down it now and uh, just measure it. If, if one of my paces, no, none of your wise cracks, one of my paces is, is more or less a metre. Let's see. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, halfway there, 21, 22, 23, 24, 25, 26, 27, 28, 29, 30, 31, 32, 33, 34, 35, 36, 37, 38, 39, 40, 40 yards, <coughs> 40 yards, oh. God, I mean my driveway in the other place, three times as long as this. Oh, but 40 yards, you know, that's, that's significant. And when I got to the end, because of all the ploughing that they've done on the, on the road, <coughs> excuse me, it was really tough to shift. Anyway, it's done now. I still got to do the steps and things. <coughs> I do apologise for this annoying cough of mine. Got to shake it off. Yeah, actually, so on a, on a historical theme, <laughs> talking about the Battle of Waterloo, I'll have you know, everybody says that Napoleon was a short ass. Well, I've read up on Napoleon, and uh, relatively speaking, he wasn't such a short ass. He was five foot seven, which was a majestic height, if you ask me. <laughs> and. Admiral Lord Nelson, and not a lot of people know this, as Michael Caine would say, but Admiral Nelson was only five foot one. Now, he was a short ass. <laughs> and, uh, well, I had no idea how tall Wellington was. I suppose he was probably normal height. But, yeah, the Duke of Wellington, who uh, finally defeated Napoleon at the Battle of Waterloo, he, as, as I just referred to, he, when asked you know, about the battle afterwards, he said it was a damn close-run thing. He nearly lost it. And I'm afraid to say to all you Brexiteers, in my history books, he would have lost it if it hadn't been for the, for the arrival of Blücher, the Prussian, with his cavalry, at the, you know, towards the end of the battle. When it looked like all was lost, Blucher, who was allied with the, with the English, saved the day. And uh, so, you know, we didn't win it on our own. We won it, we won it with the help of our European friends. You may have gathered that uh, I wasn't for Brexit myself. 
Yeah, it's done now. So I'm going to go in and get Rooney. Well, actually, I'll probably get a cup of tea and a bit of breakfast. See if Maisie Maya wants some breakfast. And then we will commence the uh, Stutzcast walk. It's going to be fun today in this deep snow. And at least there's no snow coming down. And at least there's no none of that horrible wind. So we should be all right. I'm just looking at the uh, creek beside the house. Well, there are a couple of ducks. Just a husband and wife team. They're floating around. The tide is in, so it's full of water. It's much warmer than it was. It's an un- unpleasant sensation when you're digging, of feeling cold in some parts of your extremities and uh, sweating in others. Where you, you know, where you're wrapped up too warm, and with all the physical exertion, you start to sweat a little bit. <coughs> anyway enough of my draining on about, about that the driveway is cleared Christina has gone successfully oh there's just a V of ducks 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 of them gracefully floating off into the uh, distance the V formation as usual don't know where they're off to but they're probably thinking let's find a bit of grass there's nothing now around here it's all covered in snow. <sighs> all right. Well, I'll talk to you again shortly once I've uh, sorted myself out. Well, it's now uh, 12.50, so time has elapsed. Um, I had to... Uh, can you hear those, all those little birds in the, in the bushes there? They seem to be rejoicing in the fact that the bl- blizzard is over. But, uh, now, uh, yeah, t- time has elapsed <coughs> before I set off on the walk with Rooney, but we're out now. I had to have a little bit of breakfast, and then, uh, to be quite honest, I uh, was feeling in, in need of a little bit of a lie down after all that shoveling. It was uh, qu- quite a strain on the system. Anyway, we've recovered now and uh, we're off out. Really nigh. Can't deny him his walk, despite the fact that it's hard going now. <laughs> We're not going to go the full three and a half miles, Runes. Not in this. Every step is a bit of a struggle. But still, it's yet again different weather conditions. You've got to say that for Connecticut. It throws all kinds of stuff at you. Um, a little disappointed because I bought this microphone in the hope that I could you know, improve the quality of the sound on these podcasts and uh, whilst I was lying down I was checking you know the first segment that I recorded when I was digging the drive out and (coughs) and it seems to have a buzz maybe the the jack is not fitting properly into the socket that's annoying so I I hope I'm going to press it in as tight as I can 
I hope it is working this time. I mean, it's working before, but it was buzzing. This is off-putting if you're trying to listen to something. So, uh, I will fix... I'll fix it in time. But, uh, a little setback. Not sure that the microphone quality is that much better than the, the mic that I had before. But, uh... Well... Let's see, I mean, I actually had it in my pocket and it seemed to be when I was putting it in my pocket that it's, the buzzing started, so I've got to put it in my pocket because I can't hold this thing for the whole journey. But I'll put it in my pocket now, let's see. So, on the nature theme that these podcasts are supposed to be sort of built around... What I can tell you is that um, I was I was taking our recycling out to the other bins because, as I mentioned, our main recycling bin has lost its lid. I searched for it in the next door neighbour's driveway. It's probably buried under two foot of snow, so it will emerge eventually. But <clears throat> for the time being, it's gone. So. I was taking the recycling out and uh, to the bins on the other side of the garage I came across this poor little chap a tiny little field mouse and he was wandering around on the, in the area that I'd cleared on our driveway in circles just going round and round in circles and he was sort of lame and uh, he looked like he was really struggling and uh, he's just going round and round in circles. I think he might have been blinded or by the cold or something. Anyway, he wasn't uh, in good shape at all. So I, uh, oh God, oh, they've cleared the uh, car park for, for the, you know, the senior centre and the uh, preschool, and they've absolutely completely blocked. Rooney and I, my path. How are we supposed to get past this route? Oh, God. <laughs> we'll find a way. <laughs> we'll find a way. Rune's he's pressing on the head. Fearless. God, how long, how long, how long is it going to be like this for, Rune's? Ah! There's like a mountain of snow. Perhaps if we go over the top, through the car park, and uh, let's try that. Not easy. Come on, Ruth, I'm going to try and get through this way. I don't think they should do this. They blocked our path, Ruth. Anyway, we'll get through here, Ruth. Come on. Ready? Uh, you can't. You can't beat us. All right. Whew. All right. I am not exaggerating, there's a, like a ten-foot mound of snow. Whew. You coming, Ruth? Where are you? That's it. He's found the way through too. All right, so we're going to have to walk through on the car park, which has been cleared by presumably big JCBs or something. Everything is getting me out of breath. I remember Christina's dad... 
Nagish, he used to say to me, I mean, he was, he's, when he was alive, he used to say to me, Johnny, don't get old. <laughs> Which has a sort of an ominous undertone. <laughs> What's your alternative? Die young. But uh, he used to say, don't get old. Now, I know what he means. <laughs> there was a time when I was young, Shoveling came second nature to me in the, in the farm, in the cow sheds. <sighs> Spent most of my holidays shoveling cow shit. <laughs> wasn't as heavy as this snow, though. I didn't have to do it for quite as long in one session. Ah, right, now we can join the path here, Runes. Yeah, Runes, this is where we can get back on it. God, they really have completely, completely blockaded the whole path. All right. Now, now the path isn't not blocked, but we've got to, got to wade through this kind of soft snow now. Anyway, I was telling you about this little field mouse. I think I'm going to call him Titch. So Titch was just wandering around in circles, and uh, I was carrying some, you know some boxes and things out with me. So I thought, well, poor little chap. He needs a hand. So I put a box down, a cardboard box. Uh, he's looking for shelter, but he, I don't think he could see. So I put the cardboard box down, and like a little lamb, he walked straight into it. You know, you could sense there's a shelter there. So I got him into the box. It was a, a boater box, if you know what that is. It's a, it's a wine box. Pinot Grigio. Yes, I... I I have to admit, in these straightened times, occasionally I do uh, have the boxed wine as opposed to the bottled wine. It's far cheaper. And quite honestly, it's, it's, it's pretty good. You know, no, this is not your connoisseur's wine, but this is a good drinking wine. So uh, the good thing about this little box is it, it had a, you know, where the nozzle comes out, it's got a little hole. And... Uh, so that's ideal for a mouse, isn't it? That's his little front door. So in he went. He could see. So I got some feed from the uh, bird feeder bin, put it in the bottom of the box, got a little sort of fluffy um, rag that I use for cleaning the cars in the summer, put that in there so he's warm. And then I filled up a, the, the inside, the, oh, a cap from a you know, a soft drinks bottle with water. Put that in there and uh, put it in the garage. So, so that's where Titch is right now. Little field mouse. Let's uh, let's check on him when we get back. See if he's survived. As a matter of fact, if he isn't there when we get back, that's a good thing. I'll be glad. There are three options. He's he's either gone. Or he's still there, recovering, or he's, he's passed on to the land where the good field mice go. <laughs> I am not going to apologise every time, this is going to be annoying. Keep on repeating myself, but sorry about this cough. <sighs> okay, well. We've made it up onto the uh, 
to the ridge. Rooney's pretty happy now. Yes, yeah, good boy. He's pretty happy. He just gave me a great big smile. Charged past. <coughs> he's glad to be out. You know, he's got to have his exercise. So, I suppose it's the wrong time of year to start doing nature walks and nature podcasts in midwinter because it's precious little to see. But, but there are, <clears throat> sparse as it may be, there, there are creatures that you can come across and comment on. <clears throat> it's hard to find. I, uh, I'm happy to report, though, that the ah, yes. oh yeah, there's a there's a hawk flying fast. I think that that's the same. Oh, that! My God, the first time I've seen one. That is a bald eagle. White head, black wings. Absolutely! Oh, I'm thrilled. Absolutely beautiful. Flew right over me. I could identify him straight off. That is the biggest <clears throat> of the uh, of the birds of prey in this area, and they do live around here. Nikki Wisher has told me that she's seen one down by Burying Hill Beach. Uh, he's, he, they go so fast. They're, they're so effortless the way they they fly. Wow! Made my day that has a bald eagle. Knocks that up. If I was a proper twitcher, I'd be keeping some record of all the birds that I've seen. That is a rarity. I was reading up on bald eagles, because it's in my Connecticut book of birds. <clears throat> and apparently, the nest that they build can weigh up to one ton. That's a pretty substantial nest. I guess because they... Uh, you know, because of the storms that, like we, the one we just had, that'll, that'll knock a flimsy nest to pieces. So uh, they build something that's pretty solid. Um, <clears throat> I was going to tell you about a much smaller bird, uh, the house finch. There are two types of finches that they could have been. I, I, I saw anyway. The good news is that um, the feeder that I have discussed in previous episodes that wasn't being used by the by the local birds anymore because of uh, <clears throat> interference really by the, the town council and come in with some weed whackers and whacked down a whole load of reeds right beside my house and destroyed their uh, natural well I don't know if it's where they nested but it's certainly where they sheltered and uh just destroyed a long line of it right down, down beside our house <clears throat> as a preparation for building more paths and walks <laughs> because I asked the supervisor I may have discussed this already but I asked the supervisor about you know what they were doing and he said well we bought this land and we're, we're going to uh, turn it into a more of a nature uh, conserve so like where, where I am right now <clears throat> so the irony is that it destroyed the habitat of the natural of the birds that live there to turn it into a nature reserve. <clears throat> It'll come back. But anyway, 
the, the feeder that I had wasn't being, the birds weren't taking the feed from it because uh, I guess they were sort of traumatised by the fact that somebody had come around and weed whacked everything that they used to shelter in away. Anyway, this morning, I, uh, happy to report, I did see a couple of little, little fellows checking it out and uh, they, were, they were big finch, not big, about six inch finches. <clears throat> and uh, it's difficult to tell the difference between a house finch and a purple finch. <clears throat> they're, they're not purple. They're, they're creamy brown with sort of stripes on their bellies, stripes that go sort of vertically rather than horizontally. In other words, they sort of go up their necks. Uh, but quite pretty. I had a good look at them through the binos. And uh, they check the, well, one of them was feeding off it. <clears throat> That's a good sign. That means that uh, we'll get, hopefully, more birds. They spot each other. You know, they all keep an eye on each other and they see who, who's getting food, where from. And then they start to follow each other. So I think that's that's good. I think we'll we'll get them back. And and uh, you know I, I put it <clears throat> I've put it back instead of being alongside the uh, the field. I've put it back in in the backyard so that I can actually see it from the uh, kitchen window again because I can't see it from the kitchen window where it was before, but it was better where it was before because it was right beside <clears throat> where all the birds nested and sheltered and felt comfortable. <laughs> now in the backyard, they're just going to have to find it. There are one or two trees. And hopefully they'll kind of swoop down from the trees and, and start feeding again. <sighs> so that's, that's your house finch and your purple finch. I was reading up why they're called purple if they're not purple and it's something to do with the, <clears throat> the the Latin name the Latin word for purple you can ask me what it what it is and I've forgotten now it's <laughs> it, it's got some use in it like purpilium pur, purpose <laughs> something like that you know how Latin is <clears throat> anyway it doesn't that doesn't mean purple it means <sighs> It, it, it's a sort of a lighter shade of, of purple, so more more in keeping with the colour of the bird itself. Confusing, though, isn't it? When you then can conflate that into purple and call it the purple finch, you expect to see a purple bird. <laughs> that would be quite quite a shock, wouldn't it? A purple bird. So trudging along the path here. Surprisingly, quite a few footprints, evidence that uh, man has been down here. I can actually see, bear in mind this is normally a walking path, I can actually see evidence of somebody who's been walking along in snowshoes, as you can tell by the imprint. And uh, I can also see evidence of deer, of course, there's plenty of deer around here. Last night, not last night, but yesterday afternoon when my, my brother called me, or I called my brother, yes, I called my brother, and I was talking to him, he doesn't really pay a lot of attention to what I say, and uh, 
I was looking out of the window whilst I was talking to him on the phone, and I said, I said, good heavens, Peter, I've just seen two people ski past our front door. <laughs> and he just said, oh, really? <laughs> so that's not normal. I don't live on a ski slope, you know. <laughs> he wanted to tell me more about his doctor's appointment, so I let him. But, yeah, it is... You know, some people do keep these Langlauf-type skis and then they love to get them out when uh, snow falls and, 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 you know, ski along the normal roadways. Which is a bit of fun. I've never done it myself. But uh, it probably is, you know, good fun. Right. We're not going to go the full three and a half this time. We are going to turn up the uh, Coyote trail and we're gonna just go round to that shorter loop it's, it's still probably a good two and a half miles I can't manage the three miles today not in this getting too old so it is Tuesday as so I'm gonna keep reminding myself it is Tuesday as it's approaching midday getting a little a little disconsolate or a little uh, worried about the fact that I still haven't heard anything back from this company about the job that I've, I've applied for and had four interviews for so far. And they did say that they were, they were aiming to get the job filled by the end of last week. So something's, something's come up. Either they've just already offered it to somebody else and they've accepted and they've forgotten to come back to me or let's be a little bit, little bit more optimistic or they're still deliberating between candidates and they're trying to work out well it's Stuttard the man or should we go for fresh blood that's probably what they're thinking well it's in the hands of the gods now I'm afraid I can't really influence it anymore If I do hear anything, I will let you know. But uh, in my heart of hearts, I have to say that uh, my hopes are, are, are falling. I really think they're going to give it to me. Shame. How the hell I'm going to get a job? Don't go there, John. Don't go there. That's not going to get you any further forward. So I'm higher up now. Looking down to my right, I see a flooded salt marsh. Lots of water in there. Much more than usual. This, this snow smush now. You can probably hear it underfoot. Uh, it's not going to be good and I think the temperature now isn't actually that cold it's kind of like mid-30s which is above freezing there's almost a little bit of moisture in the air where this might turn to rain but the forecast is for it to um, cool, you know, get colder 
that's not good news because what happens is, you know, the, the snow that's fallen, that hasn't melted and disappeared, you know, still sits on the ground, but if it gets cold, it turns to ice. And once it goes to ice, you can't move it. I mean, I'm thinking about the driveway again. You're stuck with it, unless you put salt down. But, you, you know, there's so much snow that's salt. You're going to have to use a lot of salt. Oh, I can see the pole marks where a Langlaufer has been, obviously, along this path, using the pole to propel themselves along. <laughs> I haven't come across anybody at all. Probably not the right time of day. Uh. So Christina made it to her class and, uh, you know, she fulfilled her obligation. I said to her, how many people were there? She said, two. (laughs) Doesn't matter. She was there, gave the class. Obviously, she was more determined than her her pupils. Can you call them those? Is that what they're called? Pupils? People who attend the class? They would if it was a school. She's so dedicated to you know, doing a good job. She does a good job. In fact, one of the uh, people who attended the class was the mother of uh, Maya's boyfriend, <laughs> who's gone off to college. He's gone off to uh, UPenn, which is one of the better colleges in America. He's a smart boy. And uh, they've got this little agreement between themselves that they're not going to they're not going to call each other they're not going to speak to each other you know for a couple of weeks to, it's, to sort of get used to the fact that they're apart and it's a bit of a Romeo and Juliet type situation I'm sort of observing from the sidelines and trying not to interfere but uh, they're kind of they are in love with each other and Maya is a bit like me, she's totally romantic. And Tyler, actually, is also pretty romantic. <clears throat> Despite the fact that he, uh, you know, he sometimes does display some, some rather cold behaviour. But he's a, he's a very nice boy. And, and he writes her lovely cards, which you know, we see sometimes. Anyway, they're, uh, they're, not, they're not talking, not because they've fallen out, but they're not talking because they're trying to make it easier on, on themselves to, you know, be away from each other. And, and in a very grown-up way, they, um, they're sort of saying to each other, we don't want to get in each other's way because we're going our separate ways now. You're going off to UPenn and I'm going off to London University. We're going to meet new people. Who knows? We're only young. We can't limit ourselves to each, each other until we've actually experienced a little bit more of the world. Which is phenomenally mature. I don't think I would have been like that at that age. Anyway, the two-week period, (laughs) the two-week moratorium, if you can call it that, is coming up this weekend. So I said to Maya this morning, I said, are you um, you you going to be speaking to, to Tyler this weekend? She said, I don't want to, I don't want to. I said, what do you mean? She said, no, no, because it's only going to put me back to square one. I was so sad when he left, and, and I'm sort of getting over it. And <clears throat> I'd rather not speak to him. 
was a bit of a quandary, really, because if you said you were going to speak after two weeks, I might mean, have covered this before in podcasts, but my, my theory is if you say you're going to do something, you've got to do it. <clears throat> so I sort of said, well, you know, if you, if you agreed to have a call, perhaps you should have the call. And she said, well, yeah, but what if it puts me back to square one? I said, well, it might not. <clears throat> you might, you know, in those two weeks, you might have just developed a slightly different opinion. Anyway, we'll see. <clears throat> we'll see. Now, we're coming towards the main refuse site uh, for the town of Fairfield. I tell you, I take you to all the most prestigious places. <laughs> and um, you can probably hear, I don't know if you can hear it with this new mic, probably just getting a load of buzz. I hope not. But I can hear the, you know, the unceasing reversing noise of trucks <clears throat> as they reverse and do their work around the, uh, the dump. And if you can hear that, I can see it. It's just the other side of the creek. I was thinking, actually, if you have... You know, if, you, if you're choosing where to locate a refuse site, you know, the town dump, not a bad idea to put it next to the, to the salt marshes because when the tide goes out, the salt marshes really do give, give off quite a pong. And I guess that there are times, especially in the summer, when a, a refuse site probably also gives off quite a lot of pong so you could disguise it. I was saying, oh no, it's just the salt marsh, that smell. <sighs> what you've seen, Rooney, really, is going up the bank a little bit. There's sort of something up there. I can see the silhouette of a bird. I couldn't tell you what it is because there's no real colour the, on the earth today except shades of white and grey. So all I can see is the kind of black outline of a bird sitting in a tree. It's not a bird of prey, I can tell that, because they have a very easily identifiable shape. It's some sort of a pigeon or something. Too far away for me to be able to tell you. Well, we've discussed a bit of wildlife, but I haven't really seen any. I suppose that doesn't really matter when you're on a podcast, does it? As long as you're covering it verbally. Oh, yeah, there, no, there does go a dove. Just one. Good flyers, they, they, they fly pretty well. I was reading about <clears throat> a bird called a chimp. Is it a chimney sparrow? It's black, anyway. I haven't come across one yet, but uh, they call them the flying cigars because they do look like a cigar. The body looks like a sort of cigar shape, very tubular, like a torpedo sort of thing. And uh, well, I was surprised that these things, I mean, they're called chimney sparrows because they, you know, they tend to congregate around chimneys. But uh, in, in Stan's notes, because Stan is the guy that compiled this directory of birds, on every bird he has Stan's notes. 
which is there's the, the interesting bits, the bits that I like to read. <clears throat> Stan says that they are one of the fastest, one of the fastest birds on earth. I thought that's pretty impressive. You know, a chimney sparrow. You would have thought that's pretty unremarkable sort of a bird, but uh, just goes to show. If you learn up, read up on these things, you'll find all kinds of interesting things. All right, there's two birds. They're just taking it easy, right above me, both sharing a branch together, doing nothing. Again, these are hard to tell because I'm right directly underneath them. All I can see is they've got long tail feathers and a white underbelly. Not moving, and I'd guess they're about eight to ten inches long. Go to the other side, see if I can get a better. No, I can't. Can't really tell you what they are. <clears throat> oh. So I'm going along the path that goes from the sort of housing area that's beside the dump back towards the soccer pitch. You know, when we first were considering buying in this area, after being here a year, back in 2001, 2002, we thought, well, the rent's so expensive, we may as well buy a place because the mortgage is going to be the same as the rent. At least we've got something for our pains at the end of it. So we were looking for a house to buy. We came around here, just down to that street there, and uh, there's a house under construction. And the realtor, they call them realtors here, the real estate person, lady, Christine Walker, I always remember her, she's Scottish. Anyway, she, uh, she took us to see this house and I actually liked it. And there's a big kind of like grass area in front, you know, like a little green for the kids to play on. And I thought, yeah, it's pretty nice, not too far from the beach. But I did notice this uh, sort of rather ugly two-story grey building kind of just op- opposite and I said Christine what, what is that building there and she said oh it's just a commercial just a bit of commercial property nothing much <sighs> so I said oh anyway we didn't buy it <laughs> and thank god we didn't buy it because that little bit of commercial property is the offices for the town dump which <laughs> just on the other side it would have been impossible to resell <laughs> We didn't buy it. Hello. Can you hear that guy? There's two of them with their little cheerful chirps. I wonder if this new fancy microphone's picking it up. Don't see them, but I can hear them. Oh yeah, I do see that one. Oh, he's too high up for me to be able to tell. He is some sort of a, he's got a very pointy beak. He's probably only about six inches long. He's darting around the uh, branches of the trees and towering above me. Don't know what he is. I'll look him up. I can't really tell the colouring though. Everything just looks grey. You know those days when there's absolutely, because there's no sunshine, everything's just grey or black. And when you get up to it, sort of brown, the bark of the trees is all wet on one side, dry on the other where the storm's pounded it. 
Well, Runes, we are we are coming to the end of this trail. Well, you did get some exercise in there, Runes. What we'll do is just to make sure you get enough of a walk. I'll put you on the leash here, and then we'll walk back along the road. So let me let me get my uh, cell phone out and just uh, switch from the main body of the podcast to the wrap-up. Okay, Rooney, I need to get you on the leash here. There's a little bit of traffic around. Not much, but you still should be on a leash. Rooney? Good boy. He's waiting dutifully. He's not coming back, but he's just waiting for me to catch up with him. I often say to Maya that uh, we've got it the wrong way around with dogs. You don't own a dog. The dog owns you. And you don't train a dog. The, the dog trains you. Sure, it's that way around. I'm sure he thinks of us as his humans. He's trained us to take him out for walks every day. You know, make sure he's got a comfortable bed to sleep on. Give him the odd snack throughout the day, little tidbits. And, uh, you know, give him a good dinner at night. He likes to make sure he has that. And then when we're eating, he likes to make sure he gets his share of whatever it is we're eating. He's got us pretty well trained. And it's probably that way around. He's a smart fellow, Rooney. I would call him a gentleman. If he was, if he was a human, he'd be a very gentlemanly human. He, you know, he never pushes it. He's never annoying or a nuisance. Hardly ever. But well, any time he barks, there's a single, a single shout when he's outside. We've let him out, and he wants to come back in again, and we've forgotten about him. <laughs> he just gives the one abrupt, you know, hello. It's <laughs> like that. And then, uh, of course, we hear him and we let him in. So I'm walking along the front entrance of the senior centre. There are cars here, so what's going on? I mean, is this, or is it just for the school? Uh, Maybe this is where the school entrance is too, I don't know. There's all kinds of signs on the doors that say, please wear masks and use sanitizers. Not 100% sure. Health department clinics rear of building. Oh, food pantry still open. All Fairfield residents welcome. Ah, Operation Hope. I see. So they, they, they're giving food out to people. And that's where the children go. I see. So further up is the children's centre. A child's garden. There's no children out in the garden today. Ah. Well... I should, should have walked around this side before, so there is something going on. But I don't think... I don't think they're bringing old people, elderly people, I should say, to the centre for their sort of daytime 
whatever they do during the day. It could be me one day. Well, it won't be me one day, but I won't be here. Oh, no, some seagulls now, or a solitary seagull. Just checking me out. That sight of all the seagulls yesterday was really something else. I, still thinking about it. It was, uh, I'm going that way. There's a, there's a car stopped and I've stopped. <laughs> this way, Rune. <Rinsley. laughs> Sometimes, you know, you, you just want the car to move on. <sighs> Hello. <laughs> Pretty tough going, isn't it? <laughs> So, walking in amongst the little houses, I like this part of this part of town because you haven't got the big mansions and giant, you know, show-off properties. These are all just capes, small little properties, probably two to three bedrooms at the most. We live in one. Our rental's only two bedrooms. They're quaint, you know, normal life, not the super wealthy life, just normal life. Now, the disadvantage of going on a short walk is, rather stupidly, as we're walking out, our neighbour opposite, Rose, she's, she's a big, big girl, Rose, and uh, she was digging out her driveway, and she had a face as red as a tomato. And I said, you're right there, Rose, you need a hand. And she took a sharp intake of breath, I thought, oh, why did I say that? She said, well, you know, hello. And uh, so I said, well, listen, I'm just going to take Rooney for a walk. And when I get back, I'll get my shovel and give you a hand. So I've got that to look forward to. Idiot. <laughs> Should have just kept my mouth shut. <sighs> oh, I don't mind. <sighs> so let this car go. And then... She told me, I did not know this, she told me just then that um, town of Fairfield fines you if you don't clear your driveway within 24 hours of the precipitation stopping. I didn't know that. Hello. That was a bit of news to me. I mean, what, what do they mean fine you if you haven't cleared it? Are, are you responsible for the pavement or what? Uh, that's probably why people are out digging the pavements. I didn't think about that. I haven't cleared the pavement. I've just cleared the driveway and the uh, the run up, you know, the, the path up to our front door for the, so the mailman can get in and out. Oh, we'll have to see. The mail system here is door to door. It's excellent service. I have to say, it's better than the UK system because you don't have to go and find a mailbox to go and post your letters you you just put it in your mail your own personal mailbox which is outside the house ours is actually attached to the house and uh, the mailman he walks up sorry about the noise of cars we'll, we'll get off this road in a second we're almost home anyway I, I my brother's birthday is coming up February the 7th and as I keep saying <laughs> today is Tuesday February the 2nd so I've had a 
a letter um, and a, a card for him in, in our mailbox the last couple of days. He hasn't been because of the storm. But this morning when I was clearing the front pathway and the front porch area, sure enough, there was his birthday card soaking wet, still in the box. So, and I, I put some photographs in there for him. So, unfortunately, I had to take it back into the house. I will go and find a proper mailbox, post it, but he's going to get some very soggy photographs of the family. <laughs> hey, Rose. I'll go get my shovel, give you a hand. Across the road, on the Worby Road. Oh, how are you doing? Oh yeah, I'll help you with that. Okay. All right, I'll just get I'll get rid of him and then I'll be back. Come on. I hope you didn't detect any kind of reluctance in my tone of voice then. <laughs> Hope I concealed that. Uh, I still, I mean, really, if I was going to do some, had any strength left to do shoveling, I'd shovel the rest of the snow that's in my own driveway, but there you go. So I'm going to let Rooney back in the house. Come on. We'll check on Titch. See if he's still in his uh, wine box. And then we'll go and help Rose. I won't sign off yet, because I, I want you to know. There you go, good boy. When he's gone in. I want you to know whether Titch has survived the last few hours. Oh, should have left Rooney's leash inside. There you go, Rose. Creak, creak. Oh, back door. Tell you, these doors are no good. Last night, when we were in our sitting room, the doors don't really close properly, and uh, we were just sitting in the sitting room. We got these two French windows that open out onto the terrace, and the wind was just hammering the, the side of the house. And suddenly, it was like something out of a Hammer House of Horror movie. The two the two French windows just burst open, and the curtains were billowing. It was a bit of a shock. We were sitting down. You know, just minding our own business. So anyway, I had to sort of put a heavy weight against the door. Anyway, let's check on Titch. Let's see, now I'm in the garage. The box is there. Turn the little light on. And let's see if we can see him. I'm hoping that he's gone. If he's gone, that means he survived. Okay, I need to... Oh, I've tipped up the water. That's stupid. Oh. Mm, he's still there, but I'm afraid. I'm afraid Titch has passed on. He's passed on to the land where all good field mice go. He's lying on his back, all four legs up in the air. Oh, that's sad. But at least he didn't die in absolute agony. Yeah, I thought I thought that would happen. Oh well, sorry to end the podcast on <laughs> such a sad note. Titch did not make it. <laughs>
And I'm sure he's not the only casualty of the storm of 2021. Anyway, I'll say thank you again for listening. And, uh, oh, yeah, one last note. If you did make it to the end of this podcast and, and you enjoyed it, um, I'm not quite sure how, I think it's called Breaker, is the hosting platform that hosts my podcast. But I think there's an opportunity to, to like it or leave a comment. <laughs> so please do, because it, it'll get other people to listen to it too. If you see a podcast that's got a few likes, a few positive comments, then uh, other people are more likely to give it a try. So if you could do that, I would much appreciate it. But even if you don't, thank you for listening, and we'll chat soon.